McCarthy started off her career as an illustrator, working for glossy magazines like Vogue, Cosmopolitan and Honey. She's had a long and diverse career in the arts, painting and lecturing full-time since the late 80s. To date, she's had 25 solo exhibitions with work featuring publicly across the world and privately within the collections of the likes of Prince Charles and U2. This is the Lester Prize Podcast. Okay, so I'm Anne McCahey and I'm a painter and teacher and a practicing illustrator as well. This year I painted one of my oldest and best friends in Australia, Stephanie Carn. Somewhere in between was the title of the work and I think that's exactly where she is at the moment. I consider her to be really pretty much a great embodiment of the normal human being in this world who goes through ups and downs and sorrows and joys. And uh, she, two years ago, had an unmentionable tragedy in her life. And she, who's such, she's been such a good comfort to lots and lots of other people and picks them up, looks after them. And it was so very hard for her. I watched her fade away and can then come back again a bit. And it's a it's an ongoing battle. She she is a very special person. Although I first when I first met her and I looked at her at her physically, I was absolutely taken by her. She is it's what's it called heterochromia, which is two different coloured eyes. And being uh, a very outspoken person, I said, "Oh, your eyes are different colours." And she said, "Yes, I know that." And I said, "Oh, yeah, because they're really quite different. One is very hazel with lots of green, and the other is hazel with r- lots of red brown, and they're fascinating." And so there I was, staring at her eyes, staring into her eyes in the middle of a staff room, and uh, I think people were thinking, "What is that very strange new art teacher that we've got here?" But uh, I, you know, when I painted the the portrait, the eyes are the major thing that remain alive in it at the moment. They're the glowing little bit uh, left of the painting. Mm. And can you talk about the technique of your painting with that sort of grey wash? Well, the grey, I knew what I wanted to do to begin with. I knew that I wanted a painting that was going to be barely there. But I also felt it was very necessary to paint it all before I removed it. So I got to the, the, the stages of having a three quarters finished fully realised oil painting took about two months to get to that stage and then I eroded it I deliberately took it right back and I went at it with sandpaper and actually really removed most of the paint on the canvas again it really it was quite cathartic in a way and then I flooded it with washes of paint to further drizzle down and erode and remove and fade out. And then I looked at it for a long time. Quite interesting because it's really, it's almost destructive to go at somebody else's face, especially when it's quite, it's quite there, it's quite painted there. And it almost felt like I was attacking her in a strange way. And I felt it's like being asked to stick a pencil into a a sort of photograph of your mother's eyes. We regard image as a very, very much a thing that that captures the real person. So I felt quite guilty about it, actually. Spent two weeks looking at it, just looking at it. I'd come back and look at it. And then I decided I really liked it. Then I introduced her to it. 
she was quite affected by it, I think would be safe to say. Hmm. Do you think she'll come and see it in the gallery? Not sure. Yeah, it would be quite confronting, wouldn't it? Somebody's story is their own story, and when you are looking at grief and sorrow in a life uh, and pushing through that grief and sorrow, getting from somewhere in between to somewhere else, it's a journey. It's their journey. I made it partly my journey as well. But that there, there is a sense of trespass, actually, on that. It's, it's a sense of... So you've obviously had a conversation with her about that? Mm-hmm, yes. How she feels about that? and She likes it. She she liked it. And she said, oh, well, you haven't shown any of my wrinkles anymore anyway. And I suppose there is that. <laughs> they have been sanded off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's very comfortable with it. And she's really... She was quite happy. She was quite proud of being described as a muse for right. me. I think she thought that, you know, that she, she would never be a person that I would paint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, why portraiture? I love portraits. I do a lot of different things. I do a lot of landscape painting. I do portraiture, three or four portraits a year. I'm working on a portrait of an author over in Belfast, actually, at the moment. It makes it rather difficult because I haven't met him. Uh-huh. And he sent me excruciatingly awful photographs. And then I suggested he sat down with his 17-year-old son with some instructions from me to take some decent photographs. And I got something back that was a little better, but I'm probably going to have to wait till I get across to see him Is myself. that something that... You, did you want to paint him or did he...? No, he wanted to be painted. He's having a book released next year and he wanted he wanted a portrait rather than a photograph of it. So, yes. yeah, it was, it was good. And I'm hoping I can get back in time to do it. Yes. So, but otherwise, and I think a lot of us artists over here in Western Australia, it's the who to paint becomes a difficult one sometimes. Yes, yes. It's not always that easy to access people who sort of meet that criteria for being interesting Australians. I mean, personally, I think almost anybody's got an interesting story. I think so. And um, we like to think at the Leicester Prize, it can be anyone. It can but, be anybody, yeah. But, I mean, obviously you see the, the popularity of the Archibald, which mm. is a, like well, a celebrity fest, really. Celebrity fest and self-portrait fest as well, which always seems the greatest height of arrogance in a way. <laughs> Hello, I'm, I'm a celebrity, let, let me in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I must be a celebrity if I'm an artist. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you've been painting since... Forever. It does seem school. like since I was, well, at four years of age uh, at primary school, I discovered colour and I really never left the love of colour. was right throughout my convent grammar school in, in Northern Ireland. I was always determined to follow the course of of visual arts and uh, allowed my parents to talk me into doing illustration rather than um, fine art because it was a more sensible career path and then fought against being an illustrator for the next 10 years. But it was a good, it was a really good way to earn an interesting living at that stage of my life. Yes. In London, very exciting. I would imagine as an illustrator in London. Yes, it was great. Well, I think one of my abiding memories is being called to work with um, 
Oh, Vivian Westwood. Oh, uh, for 1985, it was French Vogue because of the 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 the. the the European versions of the British magazines were much more creative with how they used illustrators and they had paintings, they had actual paintings rather than... Uh, as an illustrator for sort of British folk, you did a lot of small pen and ink work and it wasn't desperately exciting, but Vivian Westwood called in two illustrators, myself and another person, and we just sat and painted models in her wonderful clothing which I could never afford to own. I was going, oh, just give me a pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> hope she did. Nope. <laughs> oh, I think the, um, the advertising industry in the 80s was in, the, in London was so incredible. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was great. And it was, I mean, it, it, I worked for the Radio Times as well. But again, that was working for yourself uh, as a painter doing calling your shots of what you want to paint and what you're interested in is an entirely different life to having a style that art directors look at and go oh you can apply that style to x y and z and we find it interesting and then maybe you're out of folk or out of fashion in another two years for years 12 years of 11 12 years i've been working in john Curtin college of the arts which is a absolute amazing balance to life working life as an artist three days in the studio two days in the school and the kids are just tremendous I keep meaning to retire and then going no I really can't because you get so much out of it and they're so amazing to work with so just I think that's uh, you know it's a really nice thing to pass on as an artist to see the the current generation growing up and how brilliant just, they are. I'm just been to see um, Paul's perspectives and incredible work. It's amazing, isn't it? It's it really is a wonderful exhibition, isn't it? It's amazing, and it's well, the subtlety and the the genius of of of. I mean, it's a two way process. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. Working as an artist, you can get cut off and removed from things. When you move with the 17 year olds and when they reach year 11 and 12 they're just they are just amazing I do think if they get out there the world is in safe hands yes isn't that a Mm. a wonderful hopeful place to be it is and it's you know (laughs) to see that every day you know people who don't work with young people have no idea how amazing they are and how rich and how very thoughtful they are about the world that we're living in at the moment yes oh that's a lovely hopeful note to finish on (laughs) good good (laughs) thank you you've been listening to the Leicester Prize podcast produced by Tom Allen at Barking Wolf A very big thanks to all our 2021 artists. For more information on exhibitions and sponsorship, head to leicesterprize.com.